we didn't start Brave Men, the podcast, in order just to be able to talk or, or just talk to people or interview people. It really was about helping us stretch. And for me, it has stretched me as I've met men like Brad Lomanick. Because Brad, with his book that he wrote, Who He Is, uh, we spent time before the conversation that you're about to hear and after the conversation you're about to hear because I wanted to learn more from him, about him. These are the kind of men that stretch us. And when we're stretched, we increase and we have greater capacity. Uh, with me today in Brave Men, I'm Paul Lewis Cole, and with me today in Brave Men is uh, Chris Shields. And uh, Chris, uh, you actually brought me this book some time ago, yes. right? Yes. Handed it to me. Mm-hmm. You said, hey, you need to read this. So I, I, I did. I grabbed it, pulled it. I knew who Brad Lomanick was. Yes. But I, and I started reading the book, and I go, wait a minute. I've read this before. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It turned out I'd read it about four years ago. And this thing, uh, it really, and I told Brad this, it really sparked some things in me and in my thinking Yes. About uh, about how I uh, run my life, how I generate uh, energy, how I build uh, Sabbath times in, and um, and then also you know it's got things about how you think, yeah, stuff so like good. that. It's, it's called humble, hungry, and hustle. Yes, um, it's be what is it? Be humble, stay, stay hungry, hungry, and always hustle. Always hustle. The H three leader. H three leader. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Brad Lomanick. So uh, that, but. But with Christian Men's Network, we're in over 100 nations. Yes. I've been to 82 of those countries. And the one thing I've found that's a constant, Chris, is that if, and it's where we get stuck as men. We get stuck on, uh, we overanalyze things. We have questions about ourselves, about the things that we feel like we have dreams to do. And we end up diminishing our lives and doing less than we could have done because we just don't go after it. Yeah. And what Brad does in this conversation is help us look at why we do this. Yeah. It's not just about us. The same reason we're doing the, the Brave Men podcast, it's really about others. Yeah, exactly. Right? And so if my life becomes larger, it helps those who come behind me, and it helps those people who t- I touch. So good. And if yeah. I don't do that, I'm actually, I'm actually robbing the kingdom of God. Yes. Oh, yeah. Of my gift. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually robbing my children. Yes. Right? Yeah. Of everything they could be because I haven't gone after what I'm supposed to be. Yeah. And I mean, man, that's huge. We have to remind ourselves that Mm -hmm. we serve in a kingdom of love. Yeah. So every time we're thinking on how we're going to spend our time, we have to um, filter it through love. Mm-hmm. You know, in a way um, we were talking about just this the other day, you know, um, the way I try and manage my time. Well, not try. I manage my time is in the lens of love controlling time. Well, you do manage it. I try. OK, <laughs> well, <laughs> but Yoda said, but Yoda said there is no try. Yes, exactly. Only do. Exactly. Okay. And I've been watching Star Wars a lot. That's so right. okay. <laughs> in my time. But, you know, when we look at it through the lens of love. Mm hmm. And we know that we serve in a kingdom of love. Yeah. It allows us to love controls time. And it's amazing when you lead with love, how much extra time you have yeah. that you didn't know that you had. Well, that's true because too often we're very selfish. Yeah. Uh, what, what Brad talks about in this book, H3 Leadership, uh, and basically it's called Humble, Hungry, and Hustle, yeah. is he talks about uh, pursuing innovation. He talks about really living life with our eyes open exactly. about what's happening around us. Particularly as Christians, we can become very myopic, very narrow, yes. 
And uh, we, we almost, in a sense, sometimes just say, okay, uh, we're almost in denial yeah. of stuff going on. Yeah. And Brad's saying, man, stay open. Yeah. And this guy's been around, man. I mean, yeah. this guy was the head of Catalyst. Yep. Right? For 15 years, he was the president, uh, which he helped start with uh, John Maxwell and Andy Stanley and yes. these great leaders. And uh, so he's worked alongside uh, men like Jim Collins and Craig Groeschel and other yeah. great leaders. And even today is a consultant into some of the largest outreaches, charities, and ministries in North America. Yes. And this, Amazing book, man. this book changed my life. Really? You know, um, when I first started um, thinking I was lead, building leadership, yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, when you first start, you think you get it all, yeah. you got uh, it all figured out, yeah. you know, and then I got my hands on this book. And it literally, you know, that's what built that thought that I was mm -hmm. just sharing, you know, love controlling time. If yeah. I didn't read this book, I would have never have grabbed, well, in the scripture, of course, it was yeah. the combination of the revelation I received from the book, right. going back to the scripture. And it was actually yeah. through Joshua that I learned that concept, mm. you know, and it literally, you know, I, I, talking to Brad, I told him, I said, hey, if it wasn't for your book, you know, it literally transformed my life. So I really encourage you guys, you know, yes, we're going to be blessed by this interview, but also go back and get your hands on this book, you know, um, and it will change your life. It will enlarge you. It will allow you to think differently about how you spend your time every day. And, and tell somebody about the podcast. Yes. Uh, go on there, subscribe, yes. share, tell somebody about this because uh, every single week we've got this entire year, 2021, is packed yes. already. The men we know that are coming, yep. friends that are coming on, yep. uh, people we're meeting because yep. we wanted to meet them. Exactly. You know, th that are coming on. Uh, and all of this to stretch us, uh, grow us, enlarge us, and uh, to help build strong men because yes. what we say in Christian Men's Network, and you can find everything you need uh, for discipling men on cmn.men. What we do in Christian Men's Network is we say this. Strong men make strong families, yes. and strong families make strong churches, mm -hmm. and strong churches are the change agent in culture. Exactly. Right? Yep. Uh, the, the church is the hope of the world. Yep. So uh, great to have Brad Lomanick today on Brave Men. It's Brave Men with Paul Lewis Cole. Wisdom and courage for the journey. Talking with Brad Lomanick, and, and Brad is the author of a number of books. He's the co-founder of Catalyst Movement and Events. He's a man who speaks in the life of leaders of leaders around the world, within the Christian world, and within the world in general. And uh, Brad, thanks for taking the time to be with us today on Brave Men. I'm honored, Paul. Excited to be here. We're, we, we're catching up before, and we know all kinds of the same people. It's like we... It's like we're friends and we didn't even realize it. Yeah, that's exactly what we found. I found out on our Facebook, we have, uh, let me check it here. We have 104 mutual friends. There you go. We need to invite all of them to a party. We, you and I can host it. Yeah, whether, well, yeah, you know, and actually if we could monetize that, it'd be fantastic. <laughs> You're right. So, you know, but uh, Brad, you all should actually do a, a really a well-received uh, podcast. And uh, you've got all kinds of things going on, speaking into the hearts of leaders. But, but a lot of that, if you will, really where you are today in one sense came out of in the middle of being very successful, catalyst, huge events, all this stuff. Uh, you hit a, a speed bump. Mm -hmm. I mean, basically, you hit a speed wall, 
right? Yeah. And there was a there was a, as you have written about in uh, in this great book on uh, leadership H three. You call it H three leadership, but it's humble, hungry, and hustle. And uh, you wrote about you hit a moment where it just kind of started coming apart. Tell me about that. And how did you actually know that it was coming apart? Well, it it uh, I think for many of us as leaders, we we get to the point where there is a uh, there's all kinds of things that are that are decaying on the outside mm-hmm. and starting to get toxic, but yet we don't. We're we're sort of like the boxer who will never tap themselves out of the ring. Yeah. Especially if you're a, you know, a, a type A, you're ambitious, you're an Enneagram three, which I am. I mean, you're, you, you want to charge the hill. You don't give yourself permission ever. And I think the thing, Paul, that for me was the key to, you know, sort of the speed wall moment was I had an outside voice, mm. an outsider that said to me, Steve Cockrum, we were at lunch in the summer of 2013. Wow. And we were up and to the right organizationally. Um, my influence personally was growing and up to the right. We were having major success, but he said, yeah, I think back, you're done. Back in the day, back in the day, was that a, back then, was that a Q factor or something like that? Well, this was just related to Catalyst. I mean, in, in, but I mean, you know, having the influence, people knew oh, who influencers were and you could, you could better. That's right. I remember. Yes, that's right. You could like, you could figure out your influence factor. I, yeah. 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 And so you were that guy. Well, yeah. I don't know if I was that guy, but oh yeah, you were. No, I know, man. I, I felt like there was for me, you know, this 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 level of influence I was carrying, and yeah, he, he just Steve said to me, "Listen, I think you're done. You wow. need to take a break, and we need to reevaluate sort of where you are in life." And wow. b- because he said that, I gave myself permission. And I remember that fall we were walking on the Thames River in London, mm-hmm. and he and I said, "What are we doing today, Steve?" Cause he was kind of walking me through my sabbatical and this time away. And he, he said, we're killing callous Brad. And I kind of laughed and I said, what? He goes, we're killing callous Brad. And I said, well, what does that mean? He said, we're going to, we're going to have a moment here to, to actually allow you to bury the identity that has become incorrectly wrapped around your whole axle. Wow. And it was such a powerful moment and it was kind of cheesy. You know I mean? At the end of the day, like a ceremony to kill this, yeah. this person you had become, but it was so helpful because what had happened is identity calling and assignment for me had all become catalyst mm. incorrectly. And it really, at the end of the day, it was only an assignment. You know, it wasn't even a calling for me. It was an assignment. It was a season of vocation that I was stewarding, but it, it had gotten wrapped up in my calling statement and, and, and then obviously incorrectly in my identity. And this is true for so many of us as men, you know, we, we we walk we we have a hard time moving on to the next chapter of the book because so much of our sense of worth is built on the previous chapter, and we think that's the only chapter. Yeah, most most men are identified by what they do with their hands. You know, when Samuel looked at Eliab, the older brother of uh, of David, he said, "Oh, this guy must be the king." When he went to anoint the king at Jesse's house and. And that's when God said that famous thing to Samuel, where he said, you know what? You're looking on the outside. I don't look on the outside. I look on the inside. And most men identify themselves based on what they do with their hands. But God looks at a man based on who he is in his heart. Right. Yes. And let me, get, let me give some background to this. Catalyst, uh, when did Catalyst actually start? When was your first event? 
I was in 2000. Yeah, back in back 20 years ago. Yeah, Catalyst was this gathering, basically what it's called, Catalyst. It was a gathering of Christian leaders from really around the world, but it started, I guess, across North America, gathering together for best practices, for uh, encouraging each other. And I mean, it seemed to me when you started, it blew up the moment you started. These events became large. Yeah. And so Catalyst, when we talk about that, for someone who doesn't have that background, became this highly influential uh, series of events. Uh, you had the top speakers in the world. In fact, you have a number of them in this book. And again, I'm going to recommend this to people. It's, it's on Amazon. You can get it to Barnes Noble, whatever, wherever you get finer books. Have you got this in an audio book too? Yeah, it is. It's available audio uh, on any of those outlets. Yeah, any of the audio, audible.com, so forth. But it's called Humble, Hungry, and Hustle. And Lomenick, L-O-M-E-N-I-C-K, Brad Lomenick, H3 Leadership. And then, of course, you've got websites to that effect. But I'm going to recommend guys get this. And, uh, and actually, it pulls you in. It pulled me in when I first read it a couple of years ago. Not just on the on the burnout part, but what you learned out of that. Yeah. Because you learned. Uh, okay, let's. Okay, so that's the background, and now here's we're burying the fact that your whole identity was based on what you did with your hands. Yep. So now the up and down of that, of course, is that if you had a great event, you're up. Sure. You have a bad event, you're down. Yeah. Right. So everything yeah. begins to be based on performance, and and that became a trap for you. Yeah, and and the weight of carrying something, you know, many of us outkick our coverage wow. as leaders. Like yeah. we, we if we're if we're not self aware enough to realize, I don't even deserve this. I'm not smart enough, and that's okay. You know, I mean, that's freeing as well. It's it's all these things that we get trapped into when we start um, when we start realizing that. That we, if we're not if we're not congruent between the private and public, but also between the self awareness and you know what everybody's telling us, yeah. Because I can promise you, Paul, like when I left, when I when I stepped out of running Catalyst, all these people that loved me before and would call me all the time and hey, buddy, hey, friend, I you know appreciate you. They 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 went away, man. I haven't heard from him in six years. <laughs> well, because you, you can't, you can't, there's no speaking uh, engagement. Exactly. <laughs> that's right, man. And I get it. Like, I, I understand that. But, um, you know, that's oh, man. so many of us, we walk out of these seasons, you know, NFL, professional athletes are the same way, yeah. right? They, they get done with football and they played in the NFL for 10 years and now they're 33 and looking at life going, well, am I just on the JV team now from, you know, for the next 50 years? No, it was just a season. It was yeah, a season you know, of assignment. I want to get back to that about Steve having the, the balls to just hit you, you know, strong about where you were at. Yeah. But I want to hit that right now because there's, there's a number of, with all the pandemic, quarantine, we know suicide rates are up. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Uh, divorce rates, so forth. Interesting study, and the fact that I was reading the Washington Post is also interesting, but the Washington Post just came out with an article when they talk about how men, uh, the lives of men are degradating because of the lack of friends. And what they said was their, their actual 
real stories were men who went bowling together or they, or they played baseball, you know, softball together or whatever. And they thought those were their friends only to find out when they're not doing that anymore, that they never talked to those guys. And then remembering that they never really talked to them about stuff that mattered. And I think we have to have friends like Steve. Yeah. The people who will speak truth into your life, whether you want it or not. Yeah. And whether you need it or not, even at that point. Um, you know, Bob, Bob Goff calls it your eight. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's those eight who are going to carry your casket. It's, yeah. it's, the, it's the wed side, the bedside, and the dead side. You know, the, the eight who were with you at your wedding probably with you at your, at your bed in the hospital and they are with you as they carry the casket at your dead side, you know, and figuring out and it, and eight's not the, you know, perfect number, but yeah. what are, who is that circle that is doing life with you and they will speak truth into you. Yeah. And that's so important. Yeah, it's huge. It's a brotherhood. In fact, um, it's, it's a hat I'm wearing right now and it's the, I was going to say, I need one of those, by the way, I need it. Yeah. I need that hat. That's a good looking yeah. hat. Okay. Okay. We'll get, we're going to send you some swag, man. You know, it doesn't take, too, doesn't take too long just to catch the hint. Yeah. I tell my wife all the time, just tell me what you want. I don't get hints, <laughs> but I, but I got that one, Brad. Hey, the thing is the whole brotherhood piece, you know, I love that whole thing about the eight and, and that Steve was actually willing to talk to you and confront you, uh, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, David said. Yeah. And then David also wrote later, he said, you know, there, was, uh, ple- there were pleasant words on your lips, but there was war in your heart. Hmm. I'm talking about betrayal. So what did you do now? This guy comes to you and says, Brad, you know, you've got this amazing thing going. Everybody's coming to it. Your face is on the front of charisma or whatever. Got your own magazine. All this stuff's going on. But dude, uh, you're getting hollowed out. What did you do? Well, I, I mean, I took a break, which was crucial, and it was two or yeah. three months. So, and you know, sabbatical or whatever you want to call it. I mean, time away is is so crucial to get perspective. Yeah. Um, and I and I really like sought both, you know, the the spirit to give me insight, but also I sought wise wisdom from friends and from people that I respected. Um, and you know, the, the, the key though, was that I allowed for that season of just two or three months to be a transition. Mm. And if, if we don't transition well out of things we build, we end up spending the rest of our lives tearing down the thing that we actually built. I mean, you see it with founders so much, Paul, like you and I know a lot of founders, organizations, ministries, nonprofits, companies. And they walk away from something they built and then they spend the next 20 years like trying to tear it down. Yeah. And it's because they don't transition well. So for me, again, killing callous Brad, like that sense of this is just a season of assignment, Brad. This is the next chapter of the book is going to be better. It'll be different, but it'll be better. And a lot, feeling that freedom was so life-giving. And wow. you know, now I can show up at catalyst events or places where you know, people go, Hey, is this weird? And I'm like, no, it's not weird at all, man. I'm for this yeah, team. And I, and I believe in them and I believe the best in them. Yeah. You know, and you took time away and in your book, you recommend that people take a couple uh, times a year 
to just step back and reflect. Does that mean I would actually have to turn my phone off, bro? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, maybe. Uh, I think a lot of us, I think of all of us, we, we actually, uh, when we find out that's true, we're like, yes, thank you. Finally, somebody, somebody told me to turn my phone off. Uh, yes. I mean, it's getting quiet and, and, and reflecting, but also like allowing the spirit to speak. And we're so noisy. Yeah. Gosh. Uh, I mean, don't you think, don't you think Brad, that we find comfort in noise? Oh, well, yes, because it, it makes us want one. It, um, it actually removes the, it removes the awkwardness. Um, you know, it's, it's sort of like small talk mm. noise to me is like small talk. It, it allows for me to have an excuse be beyond the real, like hard work of getting to the point. Mm. And, you know, so this, this is why I'm such a proponent, Paul, of, for me, like, uh, running, but anything outside. Mm-hmm. And I am so in on hunting, fishing, yeah. um, running. It, and it's not because those things are like the best options, but what it does is it forces me into places that will quiet my soul. Yeah. And if I quiet my soul, God will speak, you know, and, and, but sometimes we're afraid what we're going to hear. Yeah. Boy, that's a, that's a huge thing right there. Don't you think sometimes, Brad, we're afraid of the quiet? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And, and you know, we're, especially, again, the, the higher we're up the ladder of influence, the, the more power, the more prestige, the more notoriety, the more followers, the, you know, the more people working for us, the more we have to lose, the harder it is for us to gain those moments of quiet. Because not only are we fighting for, for margin, but we're also fighting against people in our world who, who end up telling us things we shouldn't be hearing. We, we, we end up like listening to people we shouldn't be listening to because all they're doing is just, they're redundantly like giving us praise or, you know, brown nosing us. Yeah. You know, uh, you taking the time actually helped you and, and getting to the quiet. One of the things that we talk about with Christian Men's Network is that Vision is forged in the discipline to extract yourself from the unnecessary. Mm, that's and good. Uh, that focus is not about a greater intensity. It's about greater intentionality. And too many men try harder, make more noise rather than what Jesus did. He would, I mean, I mean, think about it, right? He turns 30 years old, which of course, you know, there's all the types and shadows on that it has to do with when a man becomes a rabbi and so forth becomes a qualified teacher. So he turns 30, and the moment he turns 30, he turns over the family business to his brothers, and he moves to Capernaum. Yeah. Which means a place of peace, and it's, and it's on a lake, which I'm like, I'm in on that. But Jesus did that. He found those quiet moments, to, to, and, and he created, and I'm going to get into this, this is page 186, because I actually made a note of it. Page 186 in your book, we're talking with Brad Lomanick on uh, Humble, Hungry, and Hustle, H3 Leadership, Lomanick, L-O-M-E-N-I-C-K. So grab the book uh, anywhere finer books are sold. And, uh, but margin. Yes. Margin, I, dude, I'm telling you, I, Judy and I have been at times where we knew we weren't operating our marriage with any margin. We weren't, I, I knew, I, 
I realized I wasn't, you know, and you get into, you get running so hard. You're like, how do I get back to that place of margin? Tell me about that and tell me why it's important and, and help me get there. Well, it used to be cool that your schedule was full. It's no longer cool. Yeah. It's no longer cool that you're, you, you're like, well, I don't have a, I don't have a 15 minute window until nine months from now. I mean, get over yourself. That, that, first of all, um, we, we think busy is the goal and it's not. Um, so margin, you know, this like margin in finance gives you opportunities to, to invest in things that are long-term margin in family gives you memories and moments. Wow. Uh, you know, the, the margin in friendships creates experiences. Um, mar- margin in your schedule allows for, again, the, the noise to be removed. So that's why I put margin, by the way, Paul, I put margin in the hustle section. Because right. here's the thing. I get, we all have a picture of hustle that looks, doesn't look like slowing down and having margin in Sabbath. But I want you to crush just like you crush, you know, getting to the top, I want you to crush the Sabbath and margin. Are you, are you, are you hustling towards making, making a rhythm of life that allows you to have these points of rest and reflection and Sabbath and slowing down? Because it's equally as important. And that's where hustle for me is different. Because people will say, well, Brad, what do you mean hustle? Like, does that mean like I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get to the top and make sure nobody else gets there. No, it's equally as much that you are willing to work hard, but it's also that you're willing to rest and have rhythm in, in the process. So, you know, like for example, nowadays I'm, I'm, I'm doing two hours a day for me of running, walking, reflecting, praying. Um, And people say, Brad, I can't do that. Yeah, you can, you can do it. You can figure it out because all of us are in control. Even for if you say I work for a boss who you know would never allow me. No, the game has changed. Everybody's remote. Everybody's virtual. We live in a new world, so not, we don't have an excuse anymore to allow ourselves to not put margin in the you know the big rock in the buck in the in the in the bowl or the big rock in the jar has to be that sense of margin that has to go in first. I have a friend who uh, told me years ago, he said, you know, I can get uh, 12 months of work done in 11 months, but I can't get 12 months of work done in 12 months. Yes. Hey, this is Chris. I want to take a moment right in the middle of this great conversation to let you know the Brave Men podcast is a production of the Christian Men's Network worldwide. Christian Men's Network has helped pastors and leaders disciple men for over 40 years. You can find all the resources for mentoring and fatherhood at CMN. Dot men. That's the Christian Men's Network at cmn.men. There is a fresh new study every week called Power of Potential that just started. Monday Night Men is a new resource for men and pastors. As a pastor, you can follow up the 30-minute study with a digital meetup with your men for prayer, discussion, and teaching. Some churches are using the videos as part of a group meeting. As an individual, enlarge, energize, and build a strong mindset. This 13-week study will be on YouTube and Facebook. Get your books and materials at cmn.men. That's the Christian Men's Network at cmn.men. 
Stop what you're doing, take your phone, tablet, or computer, and like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, follow us on Twitter, unless you think you're going to lose the podcast. In that case, make yourself a note. That's the Christian Men's Network or Paul Lewis Cole. Now, let's get back to this powerful interview between Paul and Brad Lamanick. And every CEO I know, Paul, like this, the people that are that are at the top of the food chains that I really respect as leaders that are healthy and some many of them in their third and fourth quarters, th- this is the lessons they're giving me. Yeah. So I'm 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 watching too many of my friends who are younger, they're burning out by 27 or 30, yeah. and I'm I'm li- listening to these sages who are saying, no, you got to do it different. You got to do it different, guys, going forward. Um, yeah, and- yeah. Even uh, general market, you know, guys like Gary V, you know, Vanderchuk, uh, he talks about that now. And he was a guy that was like, you know, years ago was like, crush it. Everything was <laughs> right. I should kill it. You know, out hustle, all that. And uh, he's had to redefine that in his own life. Yeah, and he would say, Gary V would say, "This is not for all of us." You know, even even for he realizes that he's wired a certain way. Oh yeah, no, he's a freak. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So no, there's some guys that are, you know, it's it's when you meet a guy who's actually an in, an NFL linebacker, and yeah. you look at him and how tall he is and strong and thick, and and you just go, "Dude, okay, so you're just a physical freak." <laughs> you, know, you know, it's just. There's and margin's only, uh, not lazy either. That's the thing. Mar- no. Margin doesn't mean you're lazy. No. It it means it means you have a healthy rhythm in place. Yeah. And this is one thing you talked about early in the book. In fact, right in the front is you got right into. And I love. I really appreciated your book because you didn't give me a whole bunch of like. You know, I was born a sh- poor sharecropper's son or something. You know. <laughs> yeah. One of those deals. Uh, you didn't start there. You went right into, okay, this is what happened. Here's the burnout thing. Steve came in front of me. My team, when I told my team I'm going to take some time off, they all went, yep. Yeah, please. <laughs> thank you. Finally. Okay. And then, uh, so we call that confirmation. And then, uh, uh, but you got right into habits. Tell me about yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, there's 20 habits in the book. And I mean, that's a lot of habits. But those 20 fall into the buckets of the three H's of, of humble, right. hungry, and hustle. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really built around the, 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 the premise that for me, I had to redefine what I felt like effective leadership and healthy leadership was going to be for the next 40 years of my run. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, habits are the, I would say, the framework that allows you to then put things in place that will last. Um, so, you know, that, that for me was the sort of the aha was if I'm going to give this framework of H3, then I've got to give some tangible hooks for people to hang their coat on. And the habits are that. Yeah. I, and I thought, uh, yeah, you, you carried the habit of innovation, the habit of uh, generosity. Yeah. You carried it all the way through. And, and the predication for that was that, and it was something I guess I had uh, heard before, but when you wrote it in here, for some reason it really hit me, uh, was a 40% of what we do every day is just habit. Yeah. And, and part of that, of course, you, you know, I, like you, I study, read a lot of this stuff, and it has to do with the brain because uh, it wants you to survive. So it's trying wherever it can decrease the amount of energy needed to, to uh, navigate the day 
it does that and it creates habits because then you have to think about it. Like when you take a shower, which arm do you start with? You know, exactly. Right? It's, it's, it's how you drive to work. It's, it's why the other night I drove somewhere and I made, and Judy said, why are you turning here? I went, Oh, it's a habit. I was going to the studio. Yes. We're not going there. And so we create these habits. So we don't even have to think about it. You ever, somebody who's listening right now, have you ever arrived at work? And you don't Not, remember actually driving there? I know because you're just, it's so routine. And hard, the, harder, the harder the work is, the harder, the, harder the, the habit you're trying to form, the more you have to have a habit, right? <laughs> right, right, right. That's, it's, it's like the, the weight loss thing. You know, I'm, I'm 60 pounds less than I was six years ago. Oh, gosh. Well, I wasn't. I was 250 pounds and I'm, I'm around 190 right now. That's fantastic. Um, I put a habit of, of exercise in place. Yeah. And it, it really revolves and still does around running because it was the easiest thing to do wherever I am. Yeah. So now I don't, I don't wake up every day and have to decide if I'm going to be a runner. Yes. You've already made the decision. So that's what a habit is. A decision is a forward thinking, a put in place a habit. You got it. It removes all the other decisions that Wow. That will allow your own self to out to out like smart yourself. Yeah, and you've got to make those those decisions when you're strong. You got it. You can't make them out of depression. It's the same way with with you know losing weight based on food consumption. If if you're the the way you put a habit in place of proper eating is you remove all the obstacles. Mm. If you've got a bunch of you know if you've got seven different snack items in the cupboard <laughs> that are going to tempt you. Well, it's the same with any addiction, right? It's, it's yeah. trigger points. What's the trigger that causes you, if a guy's listening right now and you've got an issue with pornography, what's the trigger? And maybe your computer in your house, maybe you should only use your computer in your kitchen. Yes. You know, where family's walking in and out. In other words, remove the, the trigger point and do that when you're strong so that, so that it becomes a habit. And running, here, I'll, only say, I'll just say one thing on running, Brad. Uh, because I, I ride a, a, a road bike and a dirt bike, you know, off-road bicycle. And uh, the one thing about difference between biking and running is that uh, on bikes, you see a lot of people smiling and you never see a smiling runner. <laughs> no. Well, I, I run to live. I don't live to run. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> anyway, sorry, buddy. I just uh, had to hit you with that one because, but this, this thing on habits and what, what did that do for you, Brad? And, and how did you put that into place? How do you, how do you make a habit? Is it just, how long does it take? I mean, what do I have to do to build this habit? Well, yeah, I mean, again, it's, it's around, it's probably around something uh, that is a pain point in your life hmm. or, or that, you know, you, you're, you're feeling distress in, or you're feeling like a sense of, of tension. Um, but first you got to identify, you know, where those things are yeah. and then, and then it comes back to, okay, let's put things in, let's put a, let's put a, a system in place. And by the way, the power of habit is a great book. I mean, I want you to check out H3 leadership, but Charles Duhigg who wrote the power of habit, right? Arguably one of the best books in terms of breaking down the, the science of habit, you know, the whole, the whole like cue and system and reward. Mm -hmm. sort of like circle that, that ultimately comes back to, again, like you, if you set things up effectively, 
where you now have put things in place that will allow for you to have a cue that then leads to you actually making it systemic and then coming back with rewards that re, you know, that incentivize you. Um, then all of a sudden you look back and go, gosh, this is actually working. And so it's, you know, it's, and it's sometimes it's hard as leaders to like, to, um, tangibly figure out and identify what are these habits that we need to put in place. It's much easier for around weight loss or addiction or, um, you know, smoking or like there's some things that yeah. we, we obviously can see, yeah. um, you know, a habit of self-awareness is sometimes difficult to sort of like figure out, well, where do I even start? Mm-hmm. You know, how do I like unpack that one? Yeah. What I've found is that we as men in particular don't change until the pain of staying the same becomes greater than a pain yes. of changing. Yes. So how do we do that? How do I do that as a leader, Brad? And thank you for taking this much time on Brave Men today. Talking with Brad Lomenick, L-O-M-E-N-I-C-K. I spell his name only because I want you to look it up and find all of his materials and resources and get them into your life because Proverbs 4 says, what you put in your heart is what you become. Jesus said, Matthew 10, he said, out of your uh, out of the mouth, out of your heart, the mouth speaks. And so, uh, how do how do I, as a leader, how do I build these habits? You know, you say they're somewhat intangible. Give give me a couple that any leader should be. You know, this is one thing sure. I probably should be doing, or two things. Well, we talked about margin, and I, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I would I would start there, and the the habit comes back to okay, or can let's start with the Sabbath. Let's just start there. Like, can you, can you have one day a week where you are um, removing yourself from the things that are work? Yeah. Um, you know, that's the habit that then starts to get put in place. Um, a habit of curiosity, one of my favorites, which is pretty simple. Here's the, here's the way you become habitual around curiosity is you ask more questions than you give answers in any environment wow. at any time. And yeah. Again, the great leaders, I watch them and they have all the answers or they seem to be, you know, the answer man, but then they end up asking all the questions. That's a fascinating observation, Brad, because I've met, you know, presidents of nations and Mother Teresa and, you know, different people over the years. And the greatest people, in other words, top, top, top in terms of influence, notoriety, I never forget being with some of these guys and them asking me stuff. Exactly. To the point that I would say, hang on, hang on. <laughs> Just have a few questions if you don't mind. Yeah, it's like it's it's like you can't even get a question in because they're so curious uh wow. with you and they see that every every person, every environment is a classroom. That and is just fantastic. What a great habit. And you've got us, I mean, we could, we could go all day because obviously your audio book's probably eight hours, six, seven, eight hours, something like that on this. It's fantastic. But the habit of curiosity, dude, that's huge because if we're not careful, we get, let's say we get into our 40s and we've been killing some stuff. And now here we are building our, our business and we've got this welding business and we've got three trucks on the road. And we could stop being curious about the next thing or the innovation or whatever. And, and basically, by the time we're in our 50s, we could start dissipating our lives. Yeah. And it happens to all, uh, all kinds of leaders. Um, you know, it, the, the, 
I think the thing too that I've learned watching leaders around curiosity, and this is for all of you who are younger, you know, or who yeah. are wanting to climb the ladder. You, you want to get to the next level in your company. Uh, you know, you, you want the CEO job or the executive director or the senior pastor job. Part of the way you gain credibility is you ask really good questions. Mm. And that will elevate your, your credibility because what you do when you ask a good question is you honor someone. Mm. It's actually honor. At the end of the day, a good question is honoring. Because what I'm saying is, is I really am interested in what you have to say. Um, and people remember, Paul, they remember the conversations where they did the talking. Right? So yeah. there, there's just, you know, this is sales 101. It's persuasion. It is when, right. when I show up to try to pitch somebody, the best way sometimes for me to pitch an idea is for me to ask a lot of questions. You know, a friend of mine, uh, Leonard Sweet, wrote a book called The Bad Habits of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I just thought of that, and I turned to a page that I remembered, because uh, it's a quote by somebody else, Felix Fernandez, who's talking about G- uh, Jesus always asks questions. He's, and Felix Fernandez says, uh, Jesus had the bad habit of not answering direct questions. <laughs> exactly. I love it. <laughs> That's just genius. And you, you, you end up, you, you do, you just, you, ought to, you don't have to have the answers. I mean, this is such a great, this is such great news for all of us who are kind of knuckleheads at our yeah. core. <laughs> just ask a really good question. I just, I thought in my 20s and 30s growing up and, and I got into management at a young age, by the age of 22, 23, I'm managing 50 people in a construction company of all things. So nonetheless, uh, so all of a sudden I'm in this. And so I always thought, you know, the hustle thing you already talked about, I always thought that I always had to have the answer. Yeah. And I mean, it was a decade and, and I found out in a very difficult way. I mean, really difficult way that, uh, I wasn't the guy I had all the answers and I didn't need all the answers. What I needed to do is figure out what the answers were by asking the right people. Exactly. Yeah. The, the posture is this, you know, again, for young leaders, just, just a, just a word of advice. Um, your posture has to be one where you're leaning in, you know, you've got your moleskin out, you've got a phone in front of you, you've got <laughs> even a yellow pad. I mean, but yeah. you're there to take notes, right? You're, yeah. You're, you're taking notes on the person that you're engaged with. And compared to leaning back, your arms are crossed, you're, you have the know-it-all perspective. That, that is so like, turn, that's, such a, that's such a distractive, but also like detrimental posture as a leader. Mm-hmm. And, and, and a lot of young leaders, unfortunately, they're walking into you know, that meeting with their senior pastor and they don't even realize their posture is one of arms crossed, lean back, I don't mm-hmm. care. I know more than you. Wow. I could do your job better than you can. And that is such the turnoff compared to just the opposite. I'm curious. I'm here to learn. I'm hungry. Wow. You have so much to offer me that I just want to soak every moment up with you. I, I've got my, got my phone out. I'm taking notes every time you open your mouth. Man, that's so good. And that is going to help some, some people, Brad, some men. Uh, in the company you're in, uh, whether it's ministry, general market, whatever it may be, that's huge because if you're working your way up, and, and we talk about that in a very positive manner because this is what we do, and work is holy. And uh, if I want to be the general manager of a series of warehouses, 
versus just driving the forklift. How do I do that? I got to lean forward, man. At, at being front-footed, that's what my pastor Phil Pringle talks about. And I, and I and boy, you brought up some just some pictures in my mind of men who did that to me. Um, Bill Bright would be one. Mm. Always leaned in. Yes. Uh, Tommy Barnett. Yes. Tommy Barnett. He shakes your hand. There's eight thousand people around. He looks you right in the eye and he says, "You know, you're one of my favorite people." In the whole world. Uh, Thank you, Pastor Tommy. God bless you. And then boom, he's on the next. But I feel like a million dollars walking out of there. And uh, who else? I mean, there's a lot of guys I could go through a whole list of, of men who were like that. Robert Schuler was like that. Uh, yeah. Jerry Smallwell, I, when left a legacy. When I met Chuck Swindoll. Oh, when I met Swindoll, he was, he was that way. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. I mean, really, when we think about the guys who left legacies, think about it. Okay. So, uh, Gosh, we could talk about this stuff forever. J. Robert Clinton wrote that book, 1988, The Making of a Leader. Yeah. And, and discovered, and then 20 years later did the uh, redux, or whatever you call it, uh, secondary thing. But I, I'm, I guess I'm thinking of apocalypse now, redux. But uh, he does this uh, study, and it said only 30% of all Christian leaders finish strong. Mm. And yet I think, Brad, 100% of us feel like we're not one of the 70 percent sure right yeah but the, so the stuff you're sharing is actually going to protect us from going off the cliff so two more things qu real quick um because i'm grabbing a lot of your time here uh we've seen a lot of guys in the and i want to talk about ministry i want to talk about uh christian leaders it seems to me whether it's more visible and we didn't see it before because it wasn't as visible because social media, but we've seen an uptick in men who commit suicide who are in the ministry. Mm -hmm. And uh, it feels like, but it's not, because uh, I've seen it for years anyway, but we see guys on a regular basis tip over. And when I say that, it's either the misuse of money, uh, the misuse of their integrity, it could be that, uh, you know, a sexual situation in our lives. I don't know if those are linked, but there are two things that I've just observed uh, that's going on in culture. Could you speak to that suicide and to uh, just guys not keeping their, uh, their morality together? Yeah. I actually had a, a, a gathering back in March, Paul, in Colorado early this year with about 50 leaders, younger leaders, a couple mm. of days. And Darren Patrick, who was yeah. one of those that unfortunately yeah. in the spring, you know, we, yeah. we all heard the news and he was with us. He was there sharing his story. He was, we were all taking notes. I mean, he, he seemed like he was in a great place. Um, he seemed like he was healthy. Um, we were sort of celebrating this new season for him that he was walking into to really help other leaders. Um, yeah. And we were, of course, we were all shocked, you know, in May when we got the news a couple of months later. And um, I say all that to say this. First of all, like, I look back at that and say, what could I have done mm -hmm. as Darren's friend? What, is there anything I could have done more? And the answer is yes. Um, mm. Now, I'm not holding myself accountable. I mean, I, I don't, I didn't, I wasn't like in his circle of eight. But, yeah, you know, it. Could I have um, reached out 
and the first thing I would say, it's kind of like going back to what Steve did for me. I, I, have a, I have a sense of responsibility now at this season of life mm. that even if it means I lose a friendship, I'm going to be so much more aggressive with, with getting into the grill wow. of men who, wow. I, who, I, who wow. I, I feel and I, I just sense from the spirit sort of saying to me like, hey, you need to reach out to them. Because here's the thing. I need the same thing for me. And I, if I don't have those kind of people, then I'm going to go off the rails. Like none of us words, are good enough. Let, let me hit that real quick, Brad. In other words, you're saying Steve did that uh, whenever that was uh, a number of years ago. Yeah. Is that nine years ago, something like that? Yeah. Um, but you still need that. Oh gosh. I need it even more now. I, mean, <laughs> I, I need it till the, till, till the end of the, of the race. Okay. I've okay. never arrived. Okay, so this is not like hey, a one-shot event, defining moment. Oh, it's a series of defining moments. So no. brotherhood is is has got to be always active, consistently active. And I I want here's the thing. I want more people. I want I want to have to say, Uncle, stop enough. Like I, I need the I need more people speaking into my life because I am aware. And th this is part of being healthy as a leader. I am aware that I'm just a step away from being unhealthy. Wow. Which therefore I need to, to have people who will keep me in the healthy zone. Wow. I'm not that good enough. I, and, and this is, I think, where so many of us, we, especially those of us who are believers and we carry a lot of influence in the Christian world, mm. is everybody assumes that we got it all together. Yeah. And most of us are, again, we're one step away from being a total disaster. Yeah, you, and you can start reading your own press. You got it. Yeah, so I'm, and the press. I'm leaning in, man. I'm, I'm, I'm making things uncomfortable for a lot of my friends these days. And 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 the press you're reading is somebody on your team that wrote it. Oh gosh, yeah, because <laughs> they want to raise. Who wants to keep their job? You got it. Yeah, if if you're only getting feedback from people you pay, man, that is a that is like a neon flashing sign right there. You know, I go back to uh, it's a man is still in ministry. His wife is gone. They divorced uh, Jim Baker, and I was. Uh, not uh, within the inner circle, but I knew all the inner circle guys and, and I would go hang out and stuff. And the thing I discovered is that as Jim began to walk down the path uh, that eventually ended up with him in prison and uh, had to rebuild his, his life and ministry and, and it caused uh, his marriage to come apart and everything. And, and we all know all the stories, but, but what I saw was, here's what I saw, Brad. I saw people on his team telling him that he should have this stuff. Yeah. And I can give you some other names of guys. That's the, e that's the easiest one because he's talked about it. Uh, I'll give you a lot of names. <laughs> they haven't talked about it yet. And you should have this, Jim, and you should have that. And, oh, yeah, of course you shouldn't have to uh, do that because you're this guy. And the, and the reason that they were doing it, they were wanting him to have, let's say, a major raise or a better car or a, a house of the beach and a house of the mountains because they wanted to have stuff. Sure. So the higher they pushed him, it pulled them up. You got it. And I can think of two guys in particular that I knew who they were that were doing that. And what they did is they, they begin to slice away men who were able like, for, for instance, my friend, Roger Flessing, who ended up going out from, uh, 
PTL out to World Vision and now is with, uh, what's that uh, transport ministry that does? Convoy. I love Roger. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Roger and I were uh, across the hall from each other in college. Yeah. So I've known him forever. Well, Roger was there. He was on the inside speaking into Jim's life, and he began to be cut away and pushed away mm. by these guys who wanted their own stuff, and they began to push Jim up and began to cut away guys like Roger and Alex and Jim and these guys that were speaking, if you will, corrective life into Jim's life. Because he still today, an amazing communicator, persuader, you know, started his life, he and his wife doing a puppet show, you know, on television in Virginia and uh, built this amazing thing. And it all fell apart because he allowed the wrong voices to come in and take over his life. We've got to listen to the guys who make us uncomfortable. Yes. And sometimes they are on your team, but many times they're not. Yeah. Because you're right. It, if I get paid by you, man, I am automatically... I'm automatically got an asterisk next to the things I say. Yeah. Wow. So find people who are not, who have no agenda and have nothing to gain from you. That's really important. My son, Brandon, who pastors uh, C3 church in uh, Fort Worth came out of our living room. He says this, he said to, uh, in fact, he said it on a zoom call the other day with some pastor friends. He said, you know, it's really not a good conversation uh, unless somebody got uncomfortable. <laughs> exactly. Embrace the tension, man. Embrace the tension. It's healthy. Uh, that is healthy. That's how stuff grows. You got it. Change yeah. happens because it's painful. Healthy things grow. Growth requires change. Change is painful. Therefore, yeah. therefore, growth requires pain. Yeah, I think of some of the stuff that Sam Chand has done on leadership uh, uh, about uh, leadership pain. Yes, and that kind great of book, by the way. Great book. Hey, uh, actually, his favorite one that he's written, and we've known Sam for years, is the one he, uh, Panama Canal. What was it called? Uh, Bigger, Faster Leadership, something like that? Oh, yeah. But the yeah. Panama Canal was the basis for it. Fantastic. Uh, so, hey, Brad Lomenick, thank you, man. L-O-M-E-N-I-C-K. And the reason I spell it for you is so you can go on the internet, find his stuff, get his resources, get the audio book, because I know guys like, like Walt, I know you listen to audiobooks. Got many other friends who do that. Dwayne, you know who you are. And then for those of us who actually read print, um, we can get it on uh, Amazon and uh, Humble Hungry Hustle H3 Leadership, Brad Lomenick. Hey, man, we could actually uh, talk forever, and I want to get together with you again. What I'd love to get on is a, a call with uh, you and Stephen Mansfield and a few other friends and just knock around some of this stuff for men. But thank you, Brad, for what you do, who you are, and uh, this what you've written, and for taking uh, an incredible amount of time with us on Brave Men today. Thanks, bro. This was fun, Paul. Appreciate you having me on. Honor. You know, three of the biggest things we need to remember in our life is to be humble, stay hungry, and always hustle. And I think if you can stay focused in that area, that is how you complete fullness mm -hmm. in your life. Yeah. You know, uh, to hustle just doesn't mean, uh, you know, always strive. Yeah. It doesn't mean, uh, in fact, you know, what we talked about in the book, uh, Just a Bartender, which mm -hmm. is a, a book about identity, was that... Uh, Focus, focusing our lives. Focus isn't about just greater intensity. Yeah. 
It's about greater intentionality. So good. Yeah. And so uh, when we talk about these things with Brad and we talk about a hustle, uh, too often what happens is we think, you know, we've got to take our game up to the point where we're working 16 hours a day. Yeah. And one of the things he talks about right away in this is Sabbath. Yeah. Taking time. Yep. And I think it's really important. That's why in the book, The Power of Potential, which we're doing the uh, Monday Night Men on, you mentioned it at the mid-break. Yeah. That's why in there, there's a there's one story, I think it's in chapter 10, where a husband and wife are talking about, uh, you know, they, they said they confess their sin, they believe in Jesus Christ. And, and my dad, Dr. Cole, talked to them and said, you know, there's one thing you haven't done. You haven't really trusted God wow. to forgive your sin. Mm. You know, so when we talk about hustle, sometimes what happens is we're not trusting God. Exactly. You know, we're trusting our own strength. Mm -hmm. And so this is not about striving. When he talks about hustling, but it is waking up, getting up like exactly. you do. You know, getting up in the morning like I do. You know, do your push-ups, do your stuff, do your workout. Do yeah. the things you know to do. Exactly. Right? Yeah. But the end result of all of this is going to be the increase of the kingdom by the power of God. So good. Not by our power, yeah. our strength. It's going to be by the Spirit of God. Yeah, and I think hustle oftentimes what we look like or look at is running over people mm -hmm. when in essence hustle is not about running over people it's actually about learning how to lock mm -hmm. arms with them yeah. it's learning how to walk with them you yeah. know and it, it's amazing the tempo that you learn when you take the time to walk with someone yeah and that's the hardest part because you're just like especially i mean i'm preaching to the choir because i'm speaking to myself while right. speaking on this podcast because oftentimes i'm such a i'm a driver yeah. you know i want to get things uh, yeah. give me a task it's done yeah you know, but at the same time, learning how to lock arms and learn, like I love Ephesians, um, I believe it's chapter five, verse two, where it talks about imitating Christ. But then, or that's verse one, and then you go down to verse two and it talks about walk, mm -hmm. right? And I love acronyms, so I'm gonna give you one. Willfully allow love knowledge. When you walk, you're mm -hmm. allowing love to c contact your heart in you and it allows you to lock arms with someone. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's yeah. what true hustle is. It allows you to be humble. Why? Because you're thinking about somebody else over yourself. Yeah. It allows you to be hungry. Why? Because you're not going to just feed your own mouth. You're going to feed somebody else's mouth. And it also allows you to hustle. Why? Because you're getting to the destination with someone, not just by yourself. Yeah. So uh, so hustle with us to Monday Night Men exactly. uh, and, and be a part of that. Yes. Uh, we can get we can find that on uh, YouTube. YouTube. Yep. Facebook. We've got the Christian Men's Network Facebook. And... Uh, not only Brad's interview, but all sorts of yes. uh, tools, resources, uh, books, materials, things to help you uh, grow larger in your life and be a stronger man and be the man you desire to be and the man that, that really your family needs you to be exactly. and that God designed you to be. I want to thank you for being with us today on Brave Men, the podcast. And uh, this is a ministry outreach of the Christian Men's Network. You can find us at cmn.men. And uh, look forward to seeing you the next time. Remember, hope is alive. Hope has a name. Hope's name is Jesus. Jesus. Amen. You've just experienced Brave Men with Paul Lewis Cole. Paul is president of the Christian Men's Network. Connect with Paul at cmn.men or write to him at paul at cmn.men. <laughs>